What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris, and I'm excited that you're choosing to join me here today. Hey, folks, today's guest really needs no introduction. Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman is an accomplished writer. If you Google search him, look for him on Amazon, you're going to find a lot of books talking about the psychological and physiological effects of violence on the human body. He's been a professor at West Point Military Academy, and the numbers of people that he's impacted through his books and through public speaking, uh, I I honestly can't measure. Uh, the, The great thing about today's podcast, though, is we didn't sit there and talk about the military and first responders a whole bunch. We really talked about things that impact every single human being when it comes to sleep on the human body, when it comes to some of the things that that are challenging our culture today, it's going to relate to absolutely everyone. So I'm excited to get to Colonel Grossman's um, interview. You're going to enjoy it. But before we do that, as always, we need to talk about our sponsor. The sponsor of the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity podcast is Service Peace Warriors. Service Peace Warriors is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to our veterans coming home who, who unfortunately, because of their experiences, are experiencing PTSD or other war-related injuries. Folks, I don't know if you're aware of this, but statistics say that roughly 24 veterans commit suicide every single day, and that is not okay with me. Service Peace Warriors is looking to be a piece of the solution to this alarming statistic. Service Peace Warriors is dedicated to equipping as many veterans suffering from PTSD with service animals as possible every single year. And they're doing this with absolutely zero cost to the veteran. Service Peace Warriors has really taken it a step further, though they opened Maddox Dog Training Academy so that they could raise money through Maddox Dog Training Academy to fund Service Peace Warriors and also through Maddox Dog Training Academy to put service animals in the hands of first responders, our firefighters, paramedics, and police officers that are experiencing trauma vicariously through the folks that they're serving in our communities. Check them out today, servicepeacewarriors.org. Folks, if you wanted to get on board and support Service Peace Warriors work, it wouldn't cost you a penny. Google search Amazon Smile and you'll figure out how you can link your Amazon account to Service Peace Warriors. And then when you spend money on Amazon, Amazon will send a few pennies to Service Peace Warriors. Please check them out today, folks. They're doing remarkable work. With that, folks, again, I don't think I need to introduce this gentleman anymore. Let's jump over to the interview with Colonel Grossman and figure out how we can make positive impacts in our life today. Good morning, Colonel Grossman. Thanks for joining me here on the Gravity Podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, Chris. Good morning to you. You know, I've had the honor to do a fair amount of these podcasts. And one of the things I try to do up front is to honor you and honor your listeners for participating in this process. You know, I retired from the Army in 1997. I was on 60 Minutes in 2020. And that was back in the time when they meant a lot more than they mean today. You know, and there was only three networks, you know, but but they didn't mean anything. A week later, it was yesterday's, you know, it, it, there wasn't even a residue like a newspaper column. They were done and, and nobody cared. And and if you're lucky, you get, you know, you get a, a few minutes and they decided what to use and what to cut. But today with the podcast movement, we have broken through that barrier. This is a time of deeper learning and deeper wisdom. And, and I honor your listeners for seeking more than a five-minute soundbite on on CNN or Fox News, and I and I honor you right up front, and I praise God for you and your wife and your wonderful endeavors to uh, to bring us deeper knowledge, and and certainly with this this concept of finding that that center ground, you know, that center of gravity. What what a worthy endeavor, and so uh, you know, kind of up front, uh, my little uh, studio here has got you know the coins and the weapons and uh, you know the the armor, but these are all represent protection. Weapons, I've got a thing in non-combat about the giving of a weapon and how it, all of those are gifts back there and how it implies your confidence in the receiver and your desire for their safety and to give them the tools that they need. And it all comes back to, to love. If you've seen one of my presentations, I, I got these big graffiti markers and I fill up that paper and, and the last one is love. You know, uh, John 15, 13, greater love is known than this. They give their life to their friends, but there's many ways to give your life. 
And so uh, that kind of lays a foundation for, for the setting. You know, it, it, the, the instruments of war in it, it, the Bible talks about the sword of the spirit and the breastplate yes. of righteousness. And, you know, and, and those are tools to save lives. And those are tools to, to protect people. And it all comes back to love. You know, these are just tools that it's about how you use them and how you apply them. And, uh, and, and so that's kind of, kind of in a nutshell, what's going on back there and, and, and my participation with the podcast and where would, uh, what would you like to see us going with this then? What do you well, think uh, we should do? I I love you kicking it off that way uh, because that really gets to the heart of of Jamie and I and the Two Feet on the Ground Gravity podcast is is how do we sit there and love our neighbors? How do we love people that think differently than us? There, there's things that are willing to fight over. Yeah. There, there are things that are worthy to fight over. There's, there's lines in the sand that we all have to draw when it comes to our ethics, when it comes to our morals, when it comes to our character. But there's an awful lot of of middle ground that as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, as as human beings, that we can we can have similarity. And yes, I did uh, have had the honor of, of of sitting in your audience. And here's the deal: I was the bookworm. I, I don't know if I was being the bookworm nerd or not. Uh, what it was was I think I didn't have my glasses that day, so I sat in the front row. And as you asked an overhead question, I happened to spout out an answer. Uh, so you uh, you honored me with both the book and with a, a signature. That's been probably 12 years ago, though. Very long, long time ago. Hey, let's start with that. Again, we live in a, in, at least for a lot of folks that are living right now, uh, we live in an unprecedented time. There's, there's a lot of noise and chaos. People are really struggling. What do I believe? Uh, you've, you've circled the sun here a few times, yeah. and you have a lot of experiences. Being a, an Air Force veteran myself, uh, the, the military, a great opportunity for folks to experience uh, people from a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, and, and that gives you, I think, uh, a foundation. It gives you perspective in life. What, what did your military experience give to you to help you establish those foundations and let you know kind of where True North is? Right. Well, let's, let's start with the foundation of just how desperately bad this situation is, because it's far worse than people know. The thing to understand is the best measure of the problem is the murder rate. You know, every cop, ag assault, we'll make ag assault say whatever you want it to say. Where, where do you draw that magic line between aggravated assault and simple assault? But dead is dead. You know, murder is pretty good data. The only problem is medical technology is holding down the murder rate. Yes, the docs are saving ever more lives every year. Now, this is really important. When people compare the murder rate over time, without allowing for medical technology. It's like people comparing minimum wage without allowing for inflation. So yeah. imagine if somebody said, well, your grandpa made 25 cents an hour. You make $25 an hour. You make a hundred times more money than your grandpa did. Look how well you got it. Well, immediately we understand there's a little thing called inflation that we intuitively yeah. understand. So when people compare crime between now in the 90s and now in the 60s, they're lying that they don't allow for medical technology. So we have one really good solid data point. In the early 2000s, a, a UMass Harvard study in the journal, journal Homicide, uh, a major journal, major study by, by, by two major universities between the 1960s and the 1990s, medical technology had cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter would otherwise be. That is, to compare the murders in the 90s with the 60s, we had to multiply by a factor of three or four, right? Yeah. And between the 90s and today, it's, it's, medical technology has exploded. In 20 years of war, the life-saving things that we have learned, tourniquets alone, tourniquets alone have probably cut the murder rate in half. Cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life, we prevented a murder. If just 20 to 30 people a day, cops, EMS, citizens like me, I carry a tourniquet everywhere. If just 20 to 30 people a day slap on a tourniquet and save a crime victim's life, we cut the murder rate in half. So I trained the fire and EMS guys in, in one of our, our nation's largest cities. And they tell me, they said, Dave, I guarantee you, in our city alone, we slap on a tourniquet 20 to 30 times a day and save a crime victim's life. It, it, it's it's much, much worse than it looks. And you got to understand the FBI giving us a murder data year after year, they're kind of lying 
but not allowing for medical technology. If they ask him, say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's a factor. Well, why don't you back? Well, you know, nobody wants to go there. Nobody wants to say how bad it truly is. So to compare the 60s with today, I think you have to multiply by factor of at least six, probably more like seven or more. So with all that said, then, in 2020, the murder rate was up 30 percent the highest annual increase we have ever seen was 12% one year of the 1960s. So 2020 was what, like 30% versus 12%, you know, almost three times worse than anything we ever seen. No, 2020 was like 20 times worse than anything we've ever seen. The wheels are coming off the bus, the world is coming unglued, and we don't even know it. And look at, you know, every criminology professor, every everybody out there that's telling us a problem, if they don't allow for medical technology, they're lying. You would be offended if somebody tried to tell you, well, you've got it a hundred times better than your grandpa did. You make $25 an hour, he made 25 cents, you'd be offended. I can't buy a hamburger for 10 cents anymore. And we should be offended when somebody tries to compare the murder rate over any period of time. So understand how desperately bad it is. 2020 is worse than anything we've ever seen. We don't have the data on 2021, but we know it's up. If it stayed the same, it would be bad, but it's worse. It's compound interest. And as of August of last year, we had more cops murdered than all the previous year put together. Uh, this war on cops is real. Uh, uh, a lady named Heather McDonald wrote a book called War on Cops, and she talked about what's going on out there. So understand, it's desperately bad. I mean, orders of magnitude worse than we've ever seen. If, if you're a cop, if you're an armed citizen, if you ever carried a gun off duty, now's the time to do it. Whatever the threat is to your loved ones. And people say, why do you carry a gun off duty? My answer is, and I'm a, I'm a reserve cop, I would live the rest of my life in hell if my loved ones were being attacked and I didn't have the life-saving tools of my profession on my body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of you got to say, look, if some bad thing happened and I stood there without my gun, I would live the rest of my life in hell. So whatever motivation there was to carry a gun before is 20 times greater today, at least. And, and so recognize the magnitude of the threat, but there's another angle on this that people just just don't want to look at. And this is the key. This drives down to wellness. It drives down to relationships. It drives down to everything we're doing. We're in the middle of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. It impacts every aspect of our civilization worldwide. So the military research tells us that sleep deprivation is a key factor in suicides. You ever heard that? Suicides? No, I've never heard about that. Well, why not? Do an online search. Just do an online search. Suicide plus sleep deprivation. Boom. Look what comes up. Probably the single best meta study on suicide, a study of studies, says not only is sleep deprivation a key factor in suicide, it is the most remediable factor. It's something we can do something about right stinking now. It's something we can fix right now. So this yeah. global epidemic of sleep deprivation is responsible for a worldwide explosion of suicides. Every nation on the planet has seen the suicide rate explode. So here's the key. Sleep deprivation creates impaired judgment. Sleep deprived people are not rational. They think with their primitive brain. They go straight to hostility. They go straight to anxiety. They go straight to fear. The, the, the forebrain, the rational brain becomes depressed and the midbrain, the, the fight or flight survival brain takes over. So when you see anger, when you see hostility, when you see an explosion of violence, the first place we should be looking is this worldwide epidemic of sleep deprivation. 18 hours without sleep and your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk. You're operating drunk. Yes. Yeah. At 20, and this is impaired judgment. Your hand and eye coordination might be there. You can still walk a straight line, but you can't think straight. It's as though you were drunk. 24 hours without sleep, impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk. Two nights without sleep, and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. And we're in the middle of this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. So 
Teen suicides have exploded. One of the major killers of our kids. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-old. Teenage girls' suicide rate has tripled per capita in America in the last decade. If you have kids, if you have teenagers or teenagers, you should be scared sick about suicide. So here's Parenting 101 for the 21st century. Bring it. Send your kid to bed at night. Take their cell phone away from them. No cell phone in the room, no laptop in the room. They have got to go to the room and sleep. And so during one of my classes, a, a cop came up. I'm, you know, I'm selling books during the breaks. I'm talking to people. The cop came up during the break and he said, uh, he said, I had a good girl. He said she was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, so I trust her. I let her keep her cell phone. He said a little while later, she took her life. He said, my little girl took her life. And we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Mm. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And he can't just ignore that stuff. We're not wired that way. Yeah. He said it was heartrending. You could see her up all night long, night after night, trying to defend herself, trying to find somebody to stand up for her. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep deprived, tormented mm -hmm. and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How can we expect our kids to? He said, yeah. the one thing on earth I could have done for my little girl was take her cell phone every night, let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. So who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you get that sleep? The second thing this global epidemic of sleep deprivation has done, and, and it's binge watching TV shows, you know, it's the incredibly addictive video games, it's social media all night long. And every time somebody likes what you wrote, you get this endorphin ping, you know? Yep. Uh, the head of Netflix said their number one competitor is not other online providers, their number one competitor is sleep. The corporate the corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. They don't care that they're killing you. They don't care that they're destroying your life. They don't care that, that, that they're taking years off your life and they're sleep depriving you and all the medical problems. They don't care. They just want to sell their product. So the second thing that it's doing is a worldwide explosion of traffic deaths. Now, decade after decade, we brought traffic deaths down, airbags, seatbelts, technology, medical yes. technology. And now for almost a decade everywhere, traffic deaths are back up. What is the new factor everywhere? This epidemic of sleep deprivation. So mm -hmm. once again, you know, I, I had three teenage boys. Now I got teenage grandchildren. My, my oldest grandson just turned 20 and is off on his career right now. But when I had three teenage boys, the number one killer of teenagers was traffic deaths. And that was my number one concern. I made sure they all had, had cars with airbags and two out of three tested those airbags, but nobody <laughs> ever told me the most important thing I should do is make sure they have a good night's sleep. Oh, what, what did we do? Oh, you got to go to bed on time. But on Friday night, on Saturday night, step as late as you want. They had their friends over, you know, they'd be gaming all night long. And what do they do? They get in the car and go to breakfast after the night all night long. And it was the most stupid, dangerous thing could possibly, if I didn't know, now we know. Uh, and so global epidemic of sleep deprivation, the video game industry is not going to tell you. Netflix are not going to tell you. LinkedIn and, and, and Facebook is not going to say, you've been on Facebook for the last 36 hours straight. You need to get some sleep. The video game is never going to say, you've been online for 36 hours straight. You, they're not going to tell you that. My dad started smoking in 1940 when he was five years old. He Holy put smokes. He on the counter, bought a pack of tobacco rolling, and, and rolling paper, and started smoking. Hey, candy rot, you all know that, right? It's true. Candy rots your teeth. Cigarettes are good for you. It's his money. You're right. It's his money. Let him buy cigarettes. Sure. And, and they believed the tobacco industry fought decade after decade over one thing, to keep selling tobacco to children. The whole battle of tobacco is over one thing. Stop selling this stuff to children and admit that it does harm. 
And so it's the same way with, with the video games, with binge-watching shows, with, with uh, you know, social media. They just want to sell their product, like selling tobacco to my dad when he was five years old. They don't care. They just want to sell their product. They want your kid to have a cell phone. Does your kid really need a cell phone? They will never tell you that the, that the billions of kids on in the, in the planet don't need cell phones. They want to sell a cell phone to your kid when they're three years old, and they don't care what a negative impact it has. And so the third major cause of death that has exploded is opiate overdoses. Now think about it. Why opiates? Prescription opiates have always been there. Why are opiates suddenly the drug of choice? Well, sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Doc, I heard all the time, give me a pill to fix. You don't need a pill. You need more sleep. And you got to knock off the caffeine after lunch that's stopping you from getting deep cycle sleep. Lack of sleep and bad quality sleep creates chronic pain. Well, we, well why? Why are opiates suddenly the drug of choice worldwide? What is the new factor? And, and, and it's this explosion of sleep deprivation. And they'll never tell you that. They'll never connect the dots for you. So I believe with all my heart, the new factor, eating away at the very fabric of our civilization, is sleep deprivation. Mm. And I bet you, if you and your wife have stayed rational, have had friends on the left and the right, have had friends who were who, who were Christians and non-Christians, if you were the kind of people who could do that, I will bet you that naturally, intuitively, you have good sleep discipline in your family. You, you, you cannot- We have to. Yeah, you cannot maintain that rational dynamic that you have maintained without having good sleep discipline. So, yeah. you know, the, you, you, you talk about this whole dynamic and you, you kind of core down to wellness as kind of the focus of your podcast. And I tell you, yeah, wellness is where it's at. We are sick. Our society is sick. Crime has exploded. Uh, you know, people just, just aggression and anger and hostility has exploded. And, and it comes back to wellness. And the foundation of wellness is, is, is food and sleep, you know, air, water, food, sleep. Those are the four things we need to survive. If one of those things is missing, then the organism is deeply and profoundly harmed. The four things, the four legs of our table are, are you know, air, water, food, and sleep. Those are the things yeah. we need. And if we don't get those things, then the organism is deeply, profoundly harmed. So the next thing to talk about is sleep hygiene and, and, yes. and we're, what we can do to sleep well and sleep appropriately. But does all this make sense? Does this tie in with Oh, it? completely, Colonel Grossman. Here's the deal. Like I, I was a, a child crime detective for a couple of years. And uh, between that and me not setting good boundaries in life, saying yes to everyone, I ended up experiencing an anxiety disorder that led to depression. And what, what was at the forefront of my doctor and my counselor helping me get healthy? It was good sleep hygiene. That was the, one of the very first things they established. And so we bought blackout blinds. We got some lavender lotion. I got into, like you just said, sleep hygiene, meaning I had a routine every night from bathing to bed, eliminating the, the blue light, the electronic things, getting a book. Uh, I mean, I saw this play out in my life back then. And it's been something that my wife and I have seen continue to play out because obviously sometimes my job requires me to get less sleep. Thankfully, if I have the foundation of great sleep, I can handle a night or two. In fact, I remember you talking about the use of caffeine saying, hey, caffeine's not bad. Caffeine isn't bad. If yes. we use it effectively when we need it, it's great. But if we sit there and drink 20 cups every single day, when you do need caffeine to get you through a call out in the middle of the night or something like that, it's not going to work. Uh, so I love what, and, and this, any listener can do this. Any listener, you don't even have to spend the money on blackout blinds. Any listener can get tin foil in a cardboard box, wrap that puppy up, throw it up in your window, have a blacked out room, have a cool room. I've just touched on my experience. Go, go deeper on this, Colonel, just in reference to what you've seen with great sleep hygiene and how people can set this up. Well, well a couple of things. I've got kind of a, a series that I go through with people. And I tell them that naps can be our friend. 
Naps don't replace a night's sleep, but you need to get naps when you can, and they need to be quality sleep. But don't don't rely just on naps. If you know you're going to get a good night's sleep, don't let a nap get in the way. For me, anything other than a 30-minute nap really gets in the way of a good night's sleep, and I know. But here's the key. The nap has got to be at least 30 minutes. You hear a lot about 20-minute power naps, but there's usually five minutes to wind down and five minutes to wind up, and, and you really should aim for a 30-minute nap. And, uh, and, and so what that means is, you know, we've all been there, driving down the road, head is bobbing, they, they, taking the little micro naps. You know, yeah, we've all had the little micro naps, your head is bobbing. Pull over, take a 10-minute nap. It's like a, 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 a surge of, of caffeine. It's a struggle response. Take a 30-minute nap, the alarm goes off. And you're bleary and you're groggy. You don't want to get up. You know why? Because you're asleep. It takes 30 minutes for a solid sound, deep cycle. I don't want to get back up again asleep. So that means the snooze alarm is not our friend. The snooze alarm is always set for 10 minutes. And that's just enough time to get that startle response. The snooze alarm is an evil little button that makes you relive the worst part of every day over and over again. And I tell everybody, one thing you do right now, never touch that snooze alarm again. Get a 10-minute snooze, another snooze, a third snooze. You just threw away 30 minutes of your life. You and anybody in the room with you, those three snoozes threw away 30 minutes of the day. Those three snoozes know as far as sleep goes, so know as far as your life goes. You threw away 30 minutes of the day to trick your body and go without sleep. I will teach you a trick that'll put 30 minutes of quality sleep back in every day. That adds up to, uh, to what, three and a half hours sleep back in every week, two pure, beautiful nights sleep back in every month, 24 nights sleep back in every year. Very simple. Set the alarm a half hour later and get the heck out of bed. And if that's sad, stinking hard to get out of bed, what's your body trying to tell you? You need more sleep. Tell your body, we got to get up, we got to get up, but I promise I'll get to bed early tonight. And, and one of the things to understand is uh, do an online search for the snooze button and you do an actual physical, psychological harm to your body with the snooze button. It's like you're trying to force your body to fall into deep cycle sleep in 10 minutes and it can't do it. One of the worst forms of torture on the planet is, is sleep deprivation. And the, the snooze alarm is an instrument of torture. But maybe, maybe at the heart of it is self-discipline grit, determination. Have you got what it takes to take a bullet and drive on? Have, are, are you in charge of your body or is your body in charge of you? It's the first thing you do every morning is surrender to your body and hit the snooze alarm. Or it's the first thing you do every morning is take charge of your life and roll out of bed. You know, give a kid a marshmallow. You need this marshmallow right now. But I'll be back in five minutes with another one. You don't need it. You need a boat. And that is the single greatest predictor of success in life. More than IQ, you can't change your IQ. You can't change your kid's IQ, not much. But you can change your self-discipline starting tonight. So set your cell phone for like 10 alarms. 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. And by the time you turn them all off, you're up. And the you that goes to bed at night has got to make the you that get up in the morning get the heck out of bed. All right, now the next is dark. And as you mentioned, the dark is our friend. And I really recommend those blackout curtains. But you know, I don't care how good you do it, unless you spray paint. And you know, I, I teach fire departments nationwide, and they always have somebody they call the, the dark Nazi. And this is the guy in the bunk room that spray paints the windows with black paint from the inside. I tell them, guys, that the dark Nazi is right. You need to sleep in a totally dark room. There's a reason for that. And, and uh, I'm a huge science geek. My favorite website is sciencedaily.com. Check it every day through every category. But major study in the sleep lab, totally dark room, bathroom light is on and the door is shut. The light coming under the crack of the bathroom door is enough light to stop the body from producing the melatonin that you need. Now, melatonin is a neurotransmitter that the body creates to help us sleep. It's, it's created in the dark. You know, I used to say in my classes, babies are sloshing with melatonin. Babies can sleep anywhere. As we get older and older, the body produces less and less melatonin. It's true. But 
Recent research said that your baby playing on the cell phone, watching TV an hour or two before bed is having a terrible, harmful impact on your baby's sleep. Even as mm -hmm. babies, it's important that we turn off that blue light, that we that we turn off that cell phone, that, that we, we, even with babies who can sleep anywhere, that it's important with adults, it's much more so. And by the time your kids become teenagers, teach your children to sleep in the dark. It's one of the best little survival tools you can give your kids, you know, just so teach them to sleep in the dark over a period of time, slowly, slowly reduce that nightlight, you know. So the key is make the room as dark as you can and combine it with the sleep mask. And my favorite sleep mask is uh, my grandson went off to college. I gave him, he's heard my class many times. I gave him two different sleep masks, you know, the, the two top rated ones on Amazon. But one of them, the D top rated sleep mask has got 57,000 reviews. <laughs> the Bible doesn't have 57,000 reviews. <laughs> no, the most I've got, I've got, I've got, you know, 2,500 reviews. I'm going to <laughs> 57,000 reviews on a sleep mask. And, and that gives you some insight into just how important this sleep mask is. So yeah. get a sleep mask and make it part of your routine. And your body knows, all oh, that mask is on. Ah, time to sleep. People say, oh, well, that mask makes, makes my face sweat. Ah, because the cool is our friend. Put that temperature down. This is a sign we're supposed to sleep in the dark and sleep in a cool room. Bring that temperature down. Get an extra layer of blankets and bring that temperature down so the dark is our friend and cool is our friend. Alcohol is not our friend. Nothing wrong with a nightcap. One drink on the way to bed, but the research is clear. Anything more than one alcoholic drink on the way to bed is having a very bad impact on your sleep. Now, the one thing I recommend to everybody is to get a fitness tracker and to track their sleep. That fitness tracker will rock your world. And again, the science geek, right? All the studies, uh, a major study on which of the fitness tracker is doing the best job of tracking sleep and the Fitbit and the ring, the aura. The aura was the other one, the ring. The Air Force started using those rings with their pilots to track their sleep. But I like it on the wrist and, and that, that, that Fitbit, you download the app on your cell phone, you wear that fitness tracker, it'll track your steps, it'll track your, uh, your heart rate throughout the day. It, it will track your sleep, and that's important. So manage your sleep like you manage your money. You know, 24 hours without sleep, you're impaired judgment, but you do the same thing by getting four hours of sleep night after night. As adults, we need seven hours of sleep. We say, well, as we get older, we need less sleep. No, as we get older, it's hard to get sleep, but it's still critically important. As adults, yeah. we need seven hours of sleep. The elderly that are getting five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, they've got a problem. And they need to confront that and they need to get help. We all need a little help with sleep sometimes, but don't do it with alcohol. No more than one drink on the way to bed. But wear your fit, do your own experiment. Wear your fitness tracker, pound down four beers and go to bed. And see what <laughs> it does to your sleep. You'll well, fall you have a horrible night's sleep. Yeah, you'll fall quickly into a shallow sleep. You wake up in an hour or so and can't get back to sleep. That's what alcohol's doing for you. So nicotine's not our friend. Don't get up the night and have a smoke. This one time shows some discipline. Caffeine is our friend if we use it effectively. So we've been at war for 21 years now. We're still in Iraq. And for the first 15 years, the U.S. Armed Forces passed out those energy drinks like water. They gave them us, we gave them the tubes. Aren't we nice guys? And then about six or seven years ago, there were two major department defense-wide studies on the energy drinks. Today, for all practical purposes, there is a complete ban on issuing energy drinks. They're like cigarettes. You want to buy your own, you're an adult, not going to stop you. We'll never buy it for you. In an academic environment, the troops taking the most energy drinks were the ones with the worst grades. It destroyed their grades. In a tactical environment, the one taking the most energy drinks were the ones most likely to nod off on the job. All there is in that energy drink is a mega dose of caffeine and sugar and some stuff that will make you metabolize it quickly. It will give you a one hour burst of physical ability and then you crash. The second one feels good for 10 minutes. 
The third one feels good for five minutes, but all you're doing is building up your tolerance of caffeine and you're, 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 you're wasted. So one energy drink before a PT test, one energy drink, not, not, you know, oh, well, you know, two times a week I go for my max push. So I use the energy drink. No, no. One time a month at most. It is before a PT test, before an athletic event, one energy drink, but be prepared. You're going to crash afterwards and, and, and be prepared for that. So the caffeine has got a half-life of about five hours. That means the caffeine you took at 5 p.m. is still at half strength when you go to bed at 10 p.m. And it's making us have bad quality sleep. People mm. say, oh, well, caffeine doesn't bother my sleep. Then why are you taking it? But caffeine doesn't make us not sleep. Caffeine makes it easier to stay awake and harder to have quality sleep. Guard your sleep. Protect your sleep. Sleep is that little vacation that waits at the end of every day. Yes. And caffeine is the enemy of good sleep. So shut off caffeine shortly after lunch. That's where we're seeing this chronic pain is the caffeine, these mega doses of caffeine, and you're not getting that deep cycle sleep that your body needs for the tendons of muscle to fully relax. One last thing on sleep deprivation, too. The research keeps stacking up that sleep deprivation is a critical factor in Alzheimer's and dementia. That just mm -hmm. scared the hell out of all of us. Yo, I, I got sleep when you're dead. We'll have 10 years of Alzheimer's first. That's just scared the daylights out of all of us. The sleep deprivation is And doing another online search, sleep deprivation and dementia, sleep deprivation and Alzheimer's. Boom. Look at the research. It, it's through the roof. And a major study, well, remember that deep cycle sleep is what the caffeine's stopping you from getting. Major study just a few years back said lack of deep cycle sleep may be the single greatest predictor of Alzheimer's. So when we look at our whole wellness dynamic, we got these evil industries like the tobacco industry selling tobacco to my kid, my dad when he was five years old. The video game industry, the television industry, the the you know the, the you know and in my book, uh, Assassination Generation, I, I talk about how the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any game to any kid at any age. They want they want the information in this book to go away. But they fought all the way to the Supreme Court to sell any book to any kid at any age. And, and, and this is evil. It's a definition of evil, like selling tobacco to my dad when he was five years old. But that's it. Your five-year-old needs a cell phone. You should get him a cell phone. You're a bad parent if you don't get your five-year-old a cell phone. Ah, why are they saying that? Because they want to make money and they don't care that they're destroying our civilization. So when you talk about wellness, when you talk about interaction, when you talk about hostility and aggression, this one dynamic is irrefutable, overwhelming, and it is something we can do something about right now. If we give a dang about our health, if we give a dang about our kids, if we cared about our civilization, this is an area we'd be screaming from the mountainside about. So that's that's kind of the, the whole wellness issue as far as Grossman goes. Does it make sense? Does like it, it, oh, you know? completely. And what I love about this is the fact that this doesn't just apply to, to veterans, to first responders. This applies to all of us. This is a pandemic that's happening to all of us. Uh, and And I think when we look at the numbers in reference to our youth that are experiencing depression and anxiety disorders. I mean, I'm talking to educators and principals. It's through the roof. Uh, and, and, and why? And there's a, a bunch of factors. Uh, I mean, you, you look at both the violence uh, inoculation that we're, we're giving our kids. You look at sleep deprivation. You look at those dopamine hits that our kids are getting. Uh, I heard, uh, I think it was Simon Sinek made the comment of giving our kids free access to their cell phones without any type of boundaries is like throwing open, open the liquor cabinet and, and telling them, I know this is a tough time, you know, try the vodka. It'll get you through it. Who said that? Who said that? Who was that, that? That's uh, Simon Sinek. And I want to say it's one of his talks on the, the infinite game versus the finite game. Really, really powerful uh, wow. imagery yeah. and make, making us realize the actual effects, both physiological and psychological that are happening. Can we transition to another study that I know you're really versed in. I, I love your book on combat. I love what it's done for our military active duty, even our veterans, our first responders. I, I think a lot of your principles in on combat also relate to, to everybody, everybody on the street, to all citizens. And the fact that, you know, you talk about 
the physiological effects of violence and being in a, in a lethal force encounter. I know that folks, when they are uh, having a, an amyg amygdala hijacking and you know that inner brain is just taken over, I, I feel like some of the discipline, some of the skills that you teach in on combat are things that, that, that any citizen could use in order to get that frontal lobe reactivated and making great decisions. What Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because with the pandemic, the book on combat has become like an Amazon number one bestseller in all these medical fields. I did a, a podcast for all of New York City's ER docs. That was before the pandemic. I did a podcast during the pandemic for all of England's ER docs. And and the, these, these docs and these nurses and all these people in the middle of a pandemic dealing with the stress, they found out that, hey, it works in combat. It also works for me facing the stress of, of life and death situations in a pandemic every day. But let me give you one example on this. And there, there's, a, there's a biological roller coaster that you go on during a stressful event. And you got sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight. Then you got parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest, also called feed and breathe. So we got the four Fs, fight or flight, feed and breathe, the four Fs, right? So the, the, if, when you have this life and death event, and when the danger is over, you crash, and there's a parasympathetic backlash, and a lot of people gorge themselves, and a lot of people have really intense sex. I'm talking about uh, victims of violent crime. They go home and both partners are very invested. And it's really kind of a beautiful grasping for life in the face of death. It's a reassurance. Frank Herbert called it the universal drive for immortality through progeny in the face of death, you know. Um, and, and it happens to fire and EMS and it happens to cops. And I tell my cops, you know, that humor, humor makes it set in and also guards them against it, right? So I tell them, you know, if it happens to you, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong if it doesn't happen, nothing wrong if it does happen, but don't don't be troubled by it. Be forewarned and forearmed. Not a lot of perks come with this job. Relax and enjoy it. And then that's it, off duty. Wait until you're off duty. It, it's amazing how many first responders get in trouble every year for having sex on the job. And if they are forewarned about this biological dynamic, they don't want blindside them. So I did a class for all of the U.S. Army's sexual harassment investigators and sexual harassment counselors, all of them. I mean, talking like worldwide, you know, piped in simultaneously. And I told them about this biological roller coaster. And we're cops, military, but everybody, we know we've got to restrain our violence. We're not gonna pick a steak knife up and stab somebody. We're, we're not gonna pull our gun out. We understand that. And we know things that trigger violence, and we know that we mustn't let those things get out of hand. Well, the same thing is true with sexual activity. Mm. The same restraints we would have on physical violence, we have to have on sexual dynamics. And if we're warned about these things, then they won't blindside us. And, and uh, you know, the U.S. Army's sexual assault investigators and the, the sexual assault, they, they were just uh, counselors. They were just embracing that. And I told them, you know, after an incident, Somebody who's been assaulted may, may seek this reaffirmation, may seek this assurance. It looks like promiscuity, but you understand what it might actually be and be able to look at the big picture. And we're forewarned and forearmed about all of that. So just to give you an idea of the fight that we're in here, my presentation on that, they, they took a clip of it. And they left out about fire and EMS. They left out about crime victims. They left out about the fact that it terrifies people. They left out, you know, sympathetic and parasympathetic. They just got a little clip of me saying, you know, cop gets a life at death event, you know, cuffs them and stuffs them, get home that night and have some incredible sex, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, not a lot of perks with this job, relax and enjoy it. And boom, they cut it off. And, and they used that clip out of context to try to destroy me. They said, look at what this evil guy is teaching everybody. And you know what's really evil about that is not they're trying to hurt me, but the people will have that natural response and think there's something wrong with them. So in my book on combat, we talked about that. And again, that Frank Herbert quote is there. But I was there after the Jonesboro school massacre. Uh, Thirteen little girls and two teachers were gunned down. And we were we were doing a, a critical incident stress 
briefings. Yeah. We all the teachers, and then we turned around and the teachers did in their classrooms with the students. And uh, and my sergeant major at the time for my my military unit was uh, had been a, a drill sergeant for a female basic training. You know, obviously there's lots of female drill sergeants, but a couple of male drill sergeants. He was one of them. And he said, you know, sir, after a stressful event, very often girls, period, will stop. After what just happened to these girls, there's a real possibility that their period will stop. And they might think that they're pregnant and that would just amplify the stress of this terrible event. Wow. So it was so easy to deal with that uh, when their PE teacher, the girl's PE teacher, was cued to tell them after a stressful event, the female body will sometimes stop their period. If that happened to you, it does not necessarily mean you're pregnant. Come talk with me. And so we were able to shortstop this, this biological dynamic for these innocent children, these little girls who have been who have been victims of such violence, who'd had their friends murdered, who had their friends in the hospital. That's enough stress. Without their body blindsiding them with something, but when they were forewarned about it, then it was no big deal. And I yeah. talk about that in on combat, you know. So, so this whole dynamic of applying this this understanding of what the body does under stress, I think you're absolutely correct. I think it goes far beyond just those in combat, far beyond medical personnel in the pandemic. It really is a set of life lessons, and and maybe the most important lesson is the breathing exercise. You know, I've got I've got emails that come in and. Uh, uh, and I've got letters and organized by topic. And of all the topics, the breathing exercise is by far the biggest. Saved the most lives, had the most impact. Now, yes. we know that even better than breathing is taking a big swig of water. That big swig of water sends a message that says we're safe. It's a parasympathetic rest and digest message. So when somebody's stressed out, taking a swig of water is one of the most valuable things they could possibly do. I was on a podcast with an Australian EMS guy, and he said, I, I heard about that. And I, and I, and I said, I'm going to drink that bottle of water. Drink it all. And the guy did, and he, he fully recovered. You know, he, he was no longer stressed out or wiped out. You know, it's just one of these little fundamental tools. And we see it, you know, give him a glass of water. Here, have a swig of brandy. Here, give him a glass of well, the act of swallowing. You know, I tell people the deer's being chased by a wolf. You stop getting a drink, he's really thirsty. I can't get a drink, I'm being chased by a wolf. The fact that you stop and take a drink sends this message, the act of swallowing, something hitting the stomach. Those are all dynamics that, that take you from, from fight or flight to rest and digest. And, and so, uh, you know, we have people going to debriefings and we tell them, have a bottle of water in front of everybody. As everybody talks about what happened, as soon as they start to become emotional, stop, take a swig of water. You see, re-experiencing the event is not PTSD, it's normal. When you re-experience the event and go on that roller coaster ride and you try to not think about it, you will literally drive yourself crazy. You will send yourself down the path of PTSD trying to not think about it because every time you think about it, you go on that roller coaster ride. Well, now you can't not think about something. You, what you got to do is you got to make peace with the memory. And what we've always done is we did debriefings one-on-one, -on -one, but now we've added the water. And somebody talks about it and they get emotional, take a swig of water. So a friend of mine is one of our nation's leading therapists and counselors for federal agents. And she told me, you know, how she'd use that, that bottle of water and, and, you know, she'll debrief the federal agent. And she told me, she said, she said, uh, uh, six years of college, 14 years of practice, and that stupid bottle of water is doing more good than anything I've ever done. So, you know, I tell my cops, you know, it's a, you get a witness statement from a victim of a crime. If that individual becomes emotional, A, you don't need all that drama. B, you send them down the path of mental illness. They're starting to associate the memory with the emotions. But put a bottle of water in front of them. Just the, the power of a gift. Put a bottle of water, crack the seal in front of them, hand them a bottle of water, and every time they start to become emotional, they come take a big swig of water. A, you're getting the calm, rational statement that you need from that victim of crime. 
but B, you're also sending them down the path of mental wellness. And, And so, but the breathing, you don't always have water. You can always stop and breathe. And, uh, and the breathing exercise is a major tool that we talk about it. There's a, there's a couple of tricks to this. This whole, yeah, well, how hard is it to breathe? You know, anybody will tell you, you know, calm down, take a deep breath. Mama knew what she was talking about. But a couple of things. One of the things we want to do is when you breathe, completely relax the stomach. You know, let that Twinkie tumor hang out there, you know. Uh, you know, children right up to five years old, all have that adorable little pot belly. And right around five, we all learn the Superman pose. And, and that's not good. Suck that in. It, it, we don't know how to breathe. You know, we'll see photographs of some primitive tribesmen. They're all standing there in the little loincloths with their bellies hanging out. Ha, ha, ha. No, they're not wrong. We're wrong. We don't even know how to breathe. We got the Superman pose. And so we, what we want is we want horizontal breathing. You breathe in the belly expands. You breathe out, the belly contracts. And that's healthy breathing. And, and when we do the breathing, I think counting is part of the process. You know, my dog can count one, two, a whole bunch. That's all, that's all, you know, but when you count in through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out through the lips, two, three, four, Hold two, three, four. The process of counting combined with the breathing and those deep belly breaths are incredibly calming. And I got, you know, I've got a guy who said, you know, uh, uh, he and his wife had listened to the the, the audio book, my book on combat, and um, you know, they'd heard me go through it in the audio book. And 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 his wife is in a medical emergency; she's got a tube down her throat. A truly life and death situation, and she's gagging and losing it, and she scrawls on a piece of paper to her husband, you know, tube down the throat, can't talk. Grossman, breathing. He said, I don't know exactly what she meant. I'm gonna coach her. In through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. He said, I'll show you the email. He said, I have absolutely no doubt it saved my wife's life. Another guy sent me an email, he said, uh, you know, a lot of them just something like, oh, you know, don't let people tell you that combat breathing doesn't work. You can hear me doing it on the radio. But it's the ones outside of combat that are really interesting. Uh, and one guy said he'd been to Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, had some baggage, he was working his way through. He and yeah. some friends were mountain climbing. And they're up, he's spending the night on top of a glacier, an icy, icy glacier. He said, I get up in the middle of the night, completely disoriented. And I'm wandering around on this slick glacier without traction devices. And, and I heard your voice breathe in through the nose, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out through the lips, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. He said, I regained control. And, and again, I'll show you the email. He said, I was literally one step away from stepping off a cliff and dying. So, you know, those are applications of the breathing other than life and death tactical situations. These are fundamental tools we give everybody. And there's a trick they use to teach it to little children. Now, what the doc does, the doc takes a scented flower and lights a candle. Well, my grandchildren just walked out and plucked a flower and I light a candle and I model the behavior. Smelling the flower. Enjoy it. Blow out the candle. Watch the smoke. Now you do it. That fast. Got a three-year-old breathing on command. And it really does work. So these are all applications of on combat to children, to medical emergencies, to you know, to that moment of disorientation on the side of a mountain, you know. Uh, these are these are broader applications. These uh, you know, this 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 uh, biological backlash of intense sex. After an incident, well, if, if there's not an appropriate partner, you won't be blindsided by it. If it's not an appropriate time, you won't be blindsided. But if if it does happen, if you, you, you recognize it as natural and it's okay. It's so important for people to be forewarned and forearmed about that stuff. And you're, you're so right. Uh, I'm glad. I appreciate your kind words about on combat. And we've certainly been able to touch an awful lot of lives and push the envelope and uh, in, a, in a wide variety of different environments. Uh, 
So thanks for asking about that. Thanks for and, bringing that up. It's really and lives, lives that you won't ever know, Colonel, because here's the, the deal. When I worked at, at one of our local high schools, uh, I, I would have students experience anxiety attacks. If we, if we want to bring this conversation full circle, let's talk about everything well, we talked about at the beginning with sleep deprivation and depression and anxiety with our youth. And, and now I'm, I have this student in front of me who's having an anxiety attack. And I sit there and start working them through combat breathing doing the, exactly the same thing you just did. I'd never heard the flower in the camp. I don't remember that analogy. So I'm just counting for them. Yeah. And I'm watching I'm watching their tunnel vision start to open back up. Yeah. I'm watching their body sit there and start to relax. Uh, it, it, it's something I've talked to my kids through. The funny thing is, is with the students, they listen to me. With my daughters, sometimes I've, I've been, hey, I, you're not breathing right now. Let me, let me talk you through this. I am breathing, dad, uh, sweetheart. Sweetheart, you're not breathing right now. It's okay. Dad, dad does the same thing sometimes. Let me talk you through this. Let me talk you through this. So your, your writings, and I say specifically your writings, I realize that that isn't just yours, Combat Brian. I know there's a lot of folks that have talked about it. But when it comes to the sheepdog, sheepdog community, when it comes to warriors, when it comes to defenders, when it comes to our military, our veterans, our first responders, a lot of them are aware of your work. And the way you've packaged packaged it to where it, it connects with us, and then we've gone out there and used it for so many other people that is just yeah. going to be Im- immeasurable. Um, so, uh, absolutely love you know, it. We, in my book, uh, you know, with, uh, on spiritual combat, we talk about how how important it is to take all the good things and give them to God. You know, all honor and glory Amen. to God. And you know, if we seek glory for ourselves, that's empty and hollow. It, You'll never, it'll, it's a hole that, that will never be filled. Yeah. But if we give the honor and glory to God, then he gives us love and joy and peace. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, so, so thank you for your kind words. And I really do give the honor to God. Uh, and and we, we give the honor and glory to God. And, and, and he gives us love, joy, and peace. You know, it's a, it's a true love and, and perfect peace and amazing joy. You know, any of your listeners out there, one, one foundation on which we can, without a doubt, build our, our wellness is faith. Faith is such a vital component to wellness. It sustains us. It's, it's one of the pillars of resiliency around the world is faith. And, uh, and if, you know, all your listeners out there, you know, you and I are, are men of faith. And uh, uh, people know, I know on combat, I know on killing. Well, what's this book about? Well, read it and see what it's all about, you know, get a feel for the, the next step. And then the the Bulletproof Marriage, my co-author, Adam Davis, gets all the credit for this book. It's really an amazing book, but it's 90-day devotional. I recently trained a military unit, and one of the first sergeants came up. And, you know, even even for old lieutenant colonel, the first sergeant's kind of a scary guy, you know. First sergeant walks up, he throws a copy of the book down in front of me, says, Sir, I hold you personally responsible for all the arguments my wife and I had over this book. He said, now I go to Amazon and buy them five at a time, giving all my married troops. You know, so, so you know, this, it, it, all of this, I think when we take it the next step, when we take it to its its most important level, I think we've got to realize what a fundamental component faith is in our wellness and, and how, you know, this book was actually written as a companion to On Combat. It stands by itself. But it also says, you know, look at this chapter on combat, because while the physical things are happening, there's also spiritual things happening. So it can stand by itself pretty well, but it also ties in with on combat, where we're taking on combat and putting it into spiritual warfare. So you may not ever see combat, but you are certainly involved in spiritual warfare, and the things in there can cross-apply to here. So, you know, what you said about on combat, it really evolved into, into this book, which stands on its own. It also works well in conjunction with on combat, and and like that gets it. back to wellness as being such a vital component in our in, in our faith and in our belief structure uh, to carry us through some of these terrible tragic times. Yeah. Hey, if people want to learn more about your work, I know you have a number of web- websites. Killology.com, uh is that maybe Dave uh, Dave Grossman Academy is maybe yeah, another yeah, website. Just a, uh, GrossmanAcademy.com. GrossmanAcademy.com. Just pretty straightforward. Uh, and uh, and that's some online classes. You can get an e-copy of the book, work all the way through the class. Uh, we've really had some great success with that. My uh, my Killology website, we're, we're in the process of rebranding ourselves. We're just on the early stages. Uh, we need to update that website, but uh, we'll have, a, we'll have a, a trailer there to move to wherever. But yeah, killology.com 
I coined the word killology and, you know, the, the defund the police people and the, and the, you know, the people attacking our cops nationwide right now, doesn't matter what you do, they will attack you. You, you can't appease them. You can't make them happy. But uh, we, uh, with this killology.com, criminology is not about teaching people to be criminals. Killology is not about teaching people to kill. It's about understanding the factors that enable and restrain killing in society. But uh, we're, we're really kind of kind of rebrand and move away from that a little bit. But right now, we, the killology.com website's a nice place to go. Also, just go to Amazon and, and look at the books we've mentioned here uh, on killing. Uh, my first book sold half a million copies worldwide. Uh, Google Scholar said been cited over, over 3,000 times in scholarly works, you know. Uh, uh, on combat, as you so kindly mentioned, you know, go to Amazon, take a look at that, you know, five stars, five stars on Amazon. It's like a 4.0 GPA, you know, one B. I don't think Santa Claus has five stars. That's right. That's right. And five <laughs> stars on Amazon with, you know, 1500 reviews. And uh, that's pretty cool. And, and we recommend, I think, it both understanding what's happening to the kids and this industry selling this stuff to our kids, assassination generation. And of course, the spiritual side of the house on spiritual combat. Uh, just, you know, really more than the, the website, you know, I'm kind of old fashioned guy. It's all in the book, you know, I, I do yeah, my yeah. own reading on the audio books and they've been well received. I've got pretty good at it after the first one. But, uh, you know, if you're an audio book person, we recommend that. And it just so happens that uh, on killing is on sale, the Kindle edition right now. It's like I put it on my uh, on my LinkedIn page. Probably one of the best ways to stay in touch with me is just to check my LinkedIn page periodically and. I, I try to keep everybody current on what's going on in there. Some of the attacks, I, a bunch of the, uh, the uh, just about any way you measure it, because I've done it so long and so much. I'm probably America's number one law enforcement trainer. And as such, I've been the number one target for the yes, you have. these people. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I, as an article, dig back through my articles on LinkedIn, and I posted some of the... Uh, some of the emails we gotten, the kind, tolerant, accepting left, you know, the most vicious, sick, depraved uh, uh, emails that, uh, that they've given to us. Here's what these guys represent. You know, here's what they're trying to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they do not have our best wishes. They're, they, they're trying to destroy our civilization. You can't make them happy. But uh, I, I one guy out there, you know, they attacked the whole sheepdog thing. Oh, you know, we're all sheep, and you know, we're, you know, and you're the dog. Well, you know, it's just a metaphor, and, and people like dogs. We're Americans; we like dogs. People yeah, yeah. get more upset when a canine office when when a canine dog is killed than when a cop is killed. You know, that's kind of twisted, but we, we feel that way about dogs. And uh, but there's one guy out there, as law enforcement trainer, said, "Well, well, I'm the shepherd. You know, we're we're the shepherds. See, we're going to protect our flock. Well, you know." That's, that's, that's what, you know, it's even, there's even in the Bible, you, it's biblical, but you know, the, the shepherd decides who's mutton and who's lamb chops, you know, the, the shepherd decides when you're born and when you die, the shepherd shears you once a year, you know, I know who my shepherd is, you know, and I'm under yes. the authority of the great shepherd, maybe a nice way to wrap this up spiritually, you know, yeah. being, a, being God's dog. I, I, being a member of God's family, and we are, we, we will be embraced as children. I have trouble. I have trouble with that. I can barely handle being God's faithful dog, you know. And uh, and my dog, this beautiful chocolate lab, and and her function in life is find chocolate anywhere in the world and immediately eat it, you know. And and uh, and and, uh, and lab test it, you know. If she's off the leash, she'll run to the neighbor's yard and roll in something stinky. But I still love her, and God knows all of my failures, and He still loves me, you know. But but here's kind of the point of it all. Now, Will Rogers said, if you get to thinking you're a man of some importance, try telling another man's dog what to do. You know, so uh, I tell everybody, when the evil one comes to you, look him in the eye and say, hey, I'm not your dog. <laughs> you know? I'm just a simple sheepdog. I don't know much. I know one thing. I'm not your dog, dude. Uh, I belong to the Great Shepherd. And one day the sheepdog will finally rest at the feet of the Great Shepherd. And when you're into those words, well done, the good and faithful servant. And uh, certainly what you and your wife are doing is pretty amazing. And, and I give you a hearty well done, uh, brother. And, and I'm honored to have been here on your podcast and have a chance to talk to your audiences and uh, uh, and seek that deeper level of, of knowledge. But it all comes back to love. You know, yes, why will people walk out the door and, 
and die. And the mama critter will die for her babies, but she won't die for anybody else's babies. What manner of love is it that these first responders that walk out the door and die for people they've never even met? And, and greater love is known than this. They give their life for their friends. But sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. And so for all of those out there living that life of sacrifice, for all of those putting their life on the line every day for strangers, uh, we just uh, we wish uh, the mightiest blessing and the mightiest thanks upon them. And, and they are truly the best our nation has to give. And they're under fierce and vicious attack right now. And, and, and they need our help. And you and your wonderful bride are, are putting together a resource for them. And I'm proud to have been a part of that. And I thank you for giving the chance to be on board today. Well, Colonel Grossman, thank you for your time. Thank you for your encouragement, not just for that veteran and active duty and first responder community, but again, education is power and you've, you've given us an awful lot today. So thank you, brother. And God bless you. God bless you, my brother. Stay safe. Stay hard. All right. You as well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think of Colonel Grossman's perspectives? Boy, I hope they're helping you as you reestablish your foundations, continuing to go in the direction that you are called to in life. Folks, Jamie and I would like to hear feedback from you. There's lots of different ways you can do this. First and foremost, if you're consuming this on an Apple podcast platform, you can go down to the main page of Two Feet on the Ground, and there are five stars. Please consider giving us a five-star rating. We'll increase our views. I can't even talk our visibility on that platform. There's other ways you can communicate with us, like us, share us on other platforms, uh, share it with a friend if this is helping you gain perspective. You can also shoot us an email at chris at gravityct.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know ideas for future guests or marriage Monday topics. Folks, we only get to live this life once. Go and love on your family and friends. Take care. God bless.